Have you ever had someone refer to something going on in the community who asked you, what's going on there? What's the story with all that? The right answer lies with the people directly involved in it, the people who know. Why not hear their story? So welcome to What's the Story, Pekin? I'm Gary Gillis, your host, and I hope you enjoy this Pekin podcast. Well, today we continue talking with Jim Deverman, who in the last podcast talked about his experience as being part of the um, state funeral for late President John F. Kennedy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about his story and growing up here in Pekin. So, Jim, welcome back, and we'll begin talking a little bit about your past. Thank you. Thank you. So, what do you remember about growing up here in Pekin? What what stands out to you? Okay, my uh, parents were uh, both uh, came from farm families, uh, one from Easton, Illinois, and the other in from uh, Topeka. Topeka, Topeka. yeah. Topeka, uh-huh. all right. So when I was, uh, and, and both of them grew up in farms and knew farming well, and but they, uh, after they married, they decided that uh, uh, they would like to move on and not be farmers the rest of their mm-hmm. lives. So uh, at one point, uh, when my brother was born, uh, he was born in Pekin Hospital, and I think somewhere along the line, uh, his total hospital bill was less than a hundred dollars mm-hmm. back in those days. But. Uh, when I came along, uh, the doctors were telling expectant mothers that uh, uh, we cannot have you do this at Pekin Hospital because there's some something contagious going oh, around at okay. the hospital, and they didn't want to, to be involved with that. So I was actually born in a farmhouse uh, near Easton, Illinois, hmm. and just a, a short uh, bit of humor here my my uncle which would have been my mother's uh, youngest brother who remained on the farm family farm for quite some time uh, he brought me in to see he brought no he brought my brother in to see me for the first time Mm -hmm. okay and my brother's reaction was and and they said this is exactly what he said he said, throw him to the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, bro. Yeah, yeah <laughs> really. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. So we moved to Pekin in 1941. I was a year old. Uh, Dad, uh, uh, at that time, and of course, had left the farm, and uh, he was able to get on at Caterpillar. And at the time, Caterpillar was building... Um, levees around their plants in East Peoria uh, where the Illinois River would be Mm -hmm. coming through and uh, so um, he was uh, involved with that project for some time Uh, and my mother um, became a store clerk and eventually uh, assistant manager at the McClellan store uh, five and dime store mm-hmm. directly across from uh, the 
the courthouse here in Keegan. Okay. Uh, we didn't have a car at that point, and this is at the during World War II, and when my Uncle Bob, who had a car, uh, was going into the Navy, he asked my dad if he would like to use his car uh, while he was away at the military, and dad said yes, that would be wonderful. So um, uh, we, uh, we went to Jefferson School uh, and it was only a short block. We lived on Park Avenue at the very end of Park Avenue. Uh, and I was just one city block away from that school. And then uh, I think in the fourth grade, uh, mom and dad had been renting property ever since when they moved to Pekin. But they decided, it's, hey, it's time to take that rent money and buy a house. Mm -hmm. And they found a house at 1014 Prince Street. Uh, for $12,000. Really? And it sounded like an eternity of money, I'm sure. Sure, back then. But uh, yeah, it was a nice home. And the thing both of them really liked to begin with was there was a huge backyard. And the previous people that lived there had maintained a very large uh, garden. The thing I liked about Pekin was uh, the fact that it wasn't very big. Uh, we had already heard uh, over the years the problems that they were having in Peoria and we decided that, you know, Pekin would be a great place to live. And so I was happy to be there. Uh, we were in, within walking distance of Trinity Lutheran Church uh, and we, we missed being a charter member of that church uh, by just a, a few months mm. when we moved to Pekin. But, uh, uh, and I think the thing that, that I've enjoyed the most is that uh, Pekin has provided uh, a wonderful opportunity for me personally to earn a living starting at the age of 14. Mm -hmm. uh, and this goes back to when the McNaughton family owned the Pekin Daily Times. And uh, every year uh, as their... Uh, their person that would write the uh, Pekin highlights would, would graduate and move on. Uh, they were always looking for someone who could be uh, a journalist and, and a part-time photographer. My brother had taught me photography uh, and even before that uh, Helen Guthrie who was a 7th, uh, 8th grade teacher at Washington Junior mm -hmm. High School she had a very elaborate dark room, black and white dark room in her basement. And she would invite my brother to come over and, and learn how to do all that. And of course, then he would teach me. And when we, when we bought the house on Prince Street, uh, my brother uh, was looking for a place where he could build or have a, uh, a little room like that that we could process film in my parents' home. Well, as it turned out, uh, Coming from farm families, there was a, a single room in the basement. It was kind of uh, on its own, and it was not heated or air conditioned or anything like that. But uh, it was a it was a dark room, uh, in fact. Uh, and mom would would do any canning that she did, mm -hmm. 
and that's where the, the canning jars would be. So my brother said, hey, this would be a perfect dark room. Sure. So that's what we did. And I remember one of the first things we, we processed, and this sounds really kind of weird, but it was, it was somewhat uh, the thing in those days to a photographer would be hired to shoot a picture of their loved one in a casket. Mm -hmm. And my brother had shot a picture like that. And the first night that we developed and made prints was, was of this lady in a casket. Mm. Wow. In a dark room, mm. yeah. which was kind of spooky. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, only 14 uh, uh, at West Campus, I uh, would ride my bicycle down to the Pekin Times and uh, uh, they would they'd let me park it inside and uh, so nobody would steal my bike or anything like that uh, and so I always had uh, always had some income because of that my starting salary was 95 cents an hour <laughs> uh, and I didn't know any better than that so I thought well it sounds good to me uh, and and that was good because uh, living at home, I had no expense. I didn't have to buy anything. Uh, you know, parents didn't charge me anything to live in the house or whatever. Uh, so that 95 cents went into the bank immediately, Herget National Bank, for many years. And when I was, uh, I don't remember the year now. Well, it had to be 1964, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. 1964. Uh, up to that point, I had bought uh, a series of used cars, and one of them, the last one I had, was a was a Plymouth, and the right the right fender, right front fender, was actually wired on with baling wire to mm. keep it on there. So I asked my dad. I said, "Hey, will you go with me? I want to look at, at cars." And we went to uh, uh, Jack Heinball's Chevrolet sure. on Second Street. And the parking lot that we came into across the street from the dealership was a gravel parking lot. Mm -hmm. So I pulled in, and the last 20 feet, I just kind of just kind of slid in. And so here comes a salesman, not in a big hurry, walked across the street. First thing he said to me, no trade, huh? <laughs> <laughs> which kind of deflated yeah, my yeah, my deal. Exactly. So anyway, he so, said, well, yeah, I said, uh, I'm, I've got enough money saved up. I'd, I'd like to buy my first brand new car. So we walked over to the showroom, and uh, uh, Heinball himself was there, and, and I looked at the car. It was a 1964 uh, Chevrolet Impala, uh -huh. uh, two-door hardtop. Oh, beautiful go. car. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, fawn in color, and interior was leather seats with a automatic on the floor. Yeah, uh, beautiful car. So and you were the cool guy. Yeah, the, the yeah. cool car. So anyway, I'm talking to Jack, and he he said, uh, "Looks like you like that car a lot." And I said, "Yeah, I do." And uh, I forget what the price on the window was. I, I'm thinking like close to $5,000 maybe back then, mm, 1964. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, uh, he said, uh, Jim, he said, uh, how do you want to finance it? I said, what do you mean finance it? And he said, how do you want to pay for it? And I said, I want to pay cash. 
and he looked at me real funny and he said are you serious and I said <laughs> yes and so anyway I had I had made up my mind in advance and I knew approximately what these cars would be uh, so I uh, I was prepared to the pay cash and I sure. did yeah good for you and he said okay he said so if you're gonna pay cash he said uh, we can discount this car a little bit more all right so he did and I think he knocked off like I don't know four hundred dollars or something from the price mm. you know which I thought was a big deal then sure. you know back then it was yeah yeah, yeah. but having worked at the Pekin Times uh, over the years uh, was wonderful because uh, uh, you know, I always had a job I could fall back on, and uh, even through college, uh, I, I arranged my classes so that probably I would only have classes where I had to be in school maybe three days a week, mm -hmm. and those two days that I didn't have to be on campus, uh, I could work at the Pekin Times, and uh, that was that was always a, a source of income for me. So you, I remember. You were, into, you were into photography, because mm -hmm. I remember you were the official photographer for our wedding, which mm -hmm. is hard to believe right. now, over 48 right. years ago. Yeah. Um, and then when I came to town in 1979, there was government advertising. Mm -hmm. um, so what got you into the advertising business from photography? Just, just a natural well, uh, evolution? Okay. Um. Yeah, I, at some point I decided that there was more opportunity to make bigger dollars and more dollars if the advertising became more prominent than the photography. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want to give up the, the idea of not knowing or not having people know that I could do photography, but uh, the advertising uh, opened a whole new door for us. Sure. And uh, at one point, uh, Another ad man, uh, Gene McDaniels, who passed away a few years back, um, he was with a ad agency in Peoria, uh, a fairly good size agency, and uh, so he knew of me, and he called one day and said, uh, "Jim, I need—I've uh, got a couple clients." Uh, that we need some photos taken for. Are you interested in doing that? And I said, sure. So we did that for, for several years. And then one day he said, uh, are you still working out of your home for your photography work? And I said, well, yes. And he said, how would you, would you be interested in if the two of us got together and put up a building and shared 50-50. It was words. the building behind Kmart at That's the right. time. That's right. On Old Avenue. I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. now it's it's McDaniel's marketing and it's a two-story building. Yes. So that's, that's right. They yeah, put a second story. Everything's, yes. everything's grown. And yeah. you then bought what used to be the Silco or Ameren building yes. downtown. Yes. I, that's I, where you're at I now. I was looking for about, uh, oh, I don't know, 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it turned out, the building we have now, which is the old Silco building on the corner of right. Sixth and Court, is 9,500 square feet. And the nice thing about that building is I can park, we can park, six to eight cars inside in the wintertime. Right. Right. You know? So the only thing I had to do on that arrangement, uh, well, first of all, they were asking a lot more money than the building was worth. 
<laughs> and you could stand at the front door of that building and look up and the bricks were kind of wavy mm -hmm. all right so I got a hold of a, an engineer and I said tell me what's going to happen here with this wall and he said well Jim he said it could last another 20 years or it could fall down tomorrow sure so that was ten thousand dollars of expense that I wasn't expecting sure but I uh, again I had money in my pocket yeah and I said well we can't take that chance let's let's take care of this brick on sure. the outside so that used to be Kynigan Ford years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry Kynigan, you remember sure, Jerry? Yeah. Right. Uh, and we had these huge floor-to-ceiling glass windows across the whole front of the building on the side of the building, and you know, air conditioning would just get sucked out. You know, <laughs> I mean, I thought, man, oh. this is the. So I got a hold of Bob Quartz. Uh, and said, Bob, uh, this place is being heated by okay, radiators. Radiators, yeah. yeah. And and the, uh, the the furnace, as it was, was a story down beyond beyond. Well, here's the the level of the of the garage, and then another set of steps would take you down to this where the furnace was. Uh -huh. And he said, Bob Court said, Hey, Jim. He said. You gotta get rid of this thing," he said. "This is terrible." Hmm. So, bit the bullet again and put in all new air conditioning, two two new air conditioners and heaters uh, in the garage, and of course that really took care of any heating problem or air conditioning problem. So, so anyway, uh, I think they're asking, I don't know, eighty-two thousand for the building, and I bought it for forty-four thousand. <laughs> And so then I went to get uh, uh, a loan on that, and because we we knew we had to do a lot of interior work, we we everything had to be changed, uh, get rid of all those radiators. You got to redo this, redo that. Uh, so I talked to uh, uh, I can't think of his name from Hergut Bank and took out a, uh, a loan and uh, he said okay what you know what what terms do you need you, you're looking for 20 years 25 I said no I said uh, I'd like about five years mm. and he looked at me real strange sure. and said yeah. well, five years you want to carry yeah. those out longer well we we were doing well enough in the business back then that, that I was making and this is something you don't see anymore but you could have a savings account and and make interest on that mm -hmm. you know and and it paid pretty good well, money, sure you yeah. know back in the day when interest rates well were oh, kind yeah. of there a little bit again but yeah. back then when they were getting double digits oh, yeah, you yeah. had the interest yeah make your payments right. so very good so i paid off the uh, the loan in five years and uh, uh, the rest is history i guess but well then your two sons <coughs> They, they, yeah, they, Chris they, run, they run the business now. Right. Uh, they're twins, and they get along really well. Uh, always have, and uh, so really proud of them and what they're doing. And yeah, they're they're good guys. I yeah. I remember when they were little. Oh yeah. And come to church, <coughs> and as twins, identical twins, dressed the same. Yeah. It's the first time in my life I thought I was seen double. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been great to watch, and uh, yeah. it's. I, I joke with both of them because uh, Matt has a beard, 
yeah. a little long beard, and yeah. I admire his gr- grooming <laughs> talents. And and then Chris is clean shaven, so it's kind of you know if you ever contemplate shaving off the beard, all he's got to do is go into work and say hi to his brother, and he knows exactly how he looks. So <laughs> it's a, it's a great story, yeah. and it's it's a Pekin story, quintessentially Pekin. Yeah. Uh, you know how you. Um, it, things evolve from your interest in journalism and just a natural inclination end up in advertising and the things that you've done and uh, your, your sons continue so congratulations on your success and uh, and that story and thanks again for being here today so, I want to thank everyone for joining us today uh, again thank you the Pekin Library as always for providing the space uh, for us here in the passport room, which is a reminder that if you need a passport, come to the Pekin Library. They'll take care of you. I can testify to that. also want to thank Mike Eaton, my sound guy, for uh, for being here with us today and recording this session. We always uh, welcome comments, thoughts, ideas for future programs. Uh, send us an email at uh, pekinpodcast at gmail.com, and have a great day.